louder. I'm still alive, motherfucker. Lights, camera, exploitation, your guide to exploitive cinema. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser, and joining me as always is my doppelganger, Kanga Banger from Down Under, Mr. Brody Kane. Well, hello there. And of course, Mr. Slick Nick. Welcome back, everyone. And our guest for today's episode, Big Johnny D from the Gorn Moore podcast. How's it going, everybody? We have a doozy of an episode for you today. But first, you know what time it is. It's time for your slice of life. Brody, what have you been up to since we talked to them last? Oh, like I used to say all the fucking time, I have been working uh, a lot. A lot trying to save my mother flipping pennies up. Um, Yeah, other than working, just watching bulk film, bulk TV, uh, watch the Stranger Things. Um, They dropped their final two episodes for season four and fuck me. uh, That shit was was pretty fucking... uh, it was fantastic, actually. It was a bit of a tearjerker in the end. It got me. I usually don't fucking tear up, but yeah, that shit got me pretty hard. Uh, the boys dropped their uh, yeah latest episode yesterday, and fuck me. Uh, it's not as good as episode six, but yeah, it's definitely intense. Um, I'm loving everything that they're putting out at the moment. Uh, it's fantastic content. Six was hero gasm, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I had to ask, sorry. Yeah, nah, the only thing that I wish I could be a part of in real life. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, uh, yeah, but other than that, just watching bulk film, um, watch this fantastic film. It was good to go back and revisit this bad boy. Yes. Um, but uh, oh, actually, uh, my Vincent, um purchases have actually uh, shipped, so I can't wait to get those motherfuckers in my hands. Other than that, not much. What about you, Slick Nick? Well... Uh, same as always. Working a lot as well. Um, been pretty busy uh, past couple weeks, at least since we did the uh, bonus episode. So not a lot has changed since then. Um, still working with the other uh, Beto boys on some upcoming content. See if we're gonna put some stuff out here pretty soon as well. Um, I unfortunately have not really had time much to watch uh like stranger things and the boys and all that so as soon as the boys season is done i'm probably going to end up binging it i got a three-day weekend for the holiday so i might actually do that this weekend uh but yeah no i mean other than that i finally got elden ring so i've been playing that and that's basically <laughs> about it <laughs> there you go nice it's fucking good man it's fun so i've been playing that with uh aaron fellow beetle bro as well johnny what have you been up to well uh first and foremost let me just say thank you guys for having me on the show it's uh Awesome honor. Uh, I've been doing Goremore, obviously. So we just did uh last episode, which was favorite of my personal one, because we did a Sasquatch episode. Brody, yeah. I know you enjoyed it. Um Dude. Goobs did not, but you guys can catch that shit if you want if you're interested. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But no, other than that, man, just been doing the daily fucking grind. Um, unfortunately, we were planning a big party this weekend, and then we just kind of had to put the kibosh on it because uh, my parents ended up getting COVID, and they've had my daughter for almost four out of the five days this last week. So we were like, oh, shit, <clears throat> she's good, but we're just being precautionary. So we're like, all right, guys, sorry. Like, maybe we'll have our tentative rain date for next weekend if everything hopefully fucking goes well. But they're good. They're not too bad. They just kind of took them out for one day. So I was like, all right, cool. So enjoyed the nice day with the daughter. Just fucking chilled in the pool and then did the uh, pretty much the dad thing of cutting the grass and all that bullshit. Other than that, man, just gaming on Evil Dead and... I've been so I've been into these fucking music shooters, dude. TJ, I know you were catching me on one, and I fucking love them, man. There's this one called Metal Hell Singer. I highly suggest checking out the demo if you haven't. And there's another one that's a little older one that I just started playing called Bullets Per Minute. And same idea, not as good as Metal Hell Singer, but still fun. Hmm. Um, and it's Guitar Hero mixed with first person shooters, and that's the easiest way to explain it. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. <laughs> I'm interested. <laughs> you have my attention. Yep, just nice little cell spit or uh, little spiel and. There you go. But uh, Bossman, how have you been, sir? Well, I've been busy as a motherfucker. 
I'll tell you what, I've been doing a lot of stuff with my comic book, we are on the home stretch with that, been watching a fuck ton of films, got my Vinegar Syndrome order in yesterday, and that was fucking cool, that was my halfway to Black Friday sale order, still waiting for my partner's only sale, but I won't get into that on this podcast, oh no. But, uh, not too long ago, Chad from the Gormore Podcast and my other friend Andrew went to the local comic shop, and we picked up a fuck ton of comics during a sale day, and I expanded my comic book collection immensely and it's it's been a joy to read through all the caliber comics from the 90s some of them are good some of them are uh pretty full on i'll, I'll tell you what <laughs> some graphic <laughs> stuff in there but yeah i've pretty much enjoyed the ones that i've, I've read so far they're very interesting but just kind of keeping very busy launched a couple of new shows on project ladder we just launched a show called the uh, nxt evolution and it's already charting in the united states super fu- oh. fucking successful super proud of those boys and i can't wait to see how good that show is going to do in the future but what I'm super excited for is the return of Lights, Camera, Exploitation, your favorite podcast. And we have a doozy of a season opener with this week's film. And that is Turbo Kid from 2015. I will destroy you with my Turbo Glove, the ultimate weapon against the robot threat. But to be a true hero, you'll have to save your girlfriend. Hey, what's that in your head? So it's, it's, it's a comic book. What's it about? It's about a turbo rider. <gasps> it's rad. <gasps> I always wonder what the other side looked like. It's kind of gray and dusty. Well, I could show you. Around here, we like to do things with a little more joie de vivre. Where is she? Release the girl. This is gonna get ugly. As you may know, the situation is critical. We have reached maximum casualty level. Who exactly are you supposed to be? Turbo Rider. This is it, soldier. We have to hit these sound machines with everything we've got. Find them, kill them, and we back their heads on bikes. I'm meeting up with it all night. Straight to Zeus. What do you say? Let's roll. been more like the real turbo rider but you could totally be turbo kid And that is from director, writer, Francois Simonard, Anouk Wassel, and Hyun Kara Wassel, who also did Summer of 84 from 2018. Brody. Woohoo! Yeah, doozy. Cinematographer, Jean-Philippe Bernier, who also did Summer of 84 in 2018, The Cleansing Hour in 2019, Dinner in America in 2020, and The Exchange in 2021. Music, Jean-Philippe Bernier and Jean-Nicolas Lupe. Production design, Sylvian Lemitre, who did Lemonade in 2018, The Lodge in 2019, and Young Juliet in 2019. Costume design by Eric Poirier, who did War Witch in 2012, Night Song in 2016, Beans in 2020, and Bootlegger in 2021. Editing by Lou Haig, who did Hunt for the Wilder People in 2016, and Guns Akimbo in 2019. Special makeup effects artist Eric Fiveridge, who worked on Night of the Demons 3 in 1997, Island of the Dead in 2000. Borderline in 2008 and Noah in 2014. Budget. It's a motherfucking Aunt Timpson film. So we can't find nothing on it. <laughs> that motherfucker is secretive Fair with enough. his budgets. But anyway, starring Monroe Chambers as the kid. You may know him from Godsend in 2004, Beethoven's Christmas Adventure in 2011, the hit classic that is in Harpoon in 2019, Lawrence Leboeuf as Apple, who starred in The Secret in 2007, Foreverland in 2011, and Mother in 2017. That's that weird film with the girl from Hunger Games, correct? Yeah, uh, Darren Onofsky. Uh, yeah. I think so. Michael Ironside as Zeus. You may know him from Scanners in 1981, one of the LCE's favorites, Top Gun in 1986, and Starship Troopers in 1997. Been playing a lot of that recently as well. That game is big natural titties. Mm-hmm. 
And next, Edwin Wright as Skeletron, who starred in King Kong in 2005, Underworld, Rise of the Lycans in 2009, and The Meg in 2018. Aaron Jeffrey as Frederick, who was in Square One in 1997, X-Men Origins Wolverine in 2009, one of Brody's favorites, and The Flood in 2020. Romano Orzari as Bagu, who starred in Slow Burn in 2000, Punisher Warzone in 2008, and White House Down in 2013. Big Johnny D, take it away! In the post-apocalyptic future, the kid, a young solitary scavenger obsessed with comic books, must face his fears and become a reluctant hero as he meets a mysterious girl named Apple. Despite their efforts to keep to themselves, Zeus, the sadistic and self-proclaimed leader of the Wasteland, plagues the kid and Apple. Armed with a little more than blind faith and a turbocharged weapon, the kid learns of justice and friendship and embarks on a journey to rid the Wasteland of evil and save the girl of his dreams. Awards it won a fuck ton, and we're gonna list some of them, including but not limited to 30 Dies Festival de Cinema Fantastique et Andorra from 2015 Best Film and Best Director RK. SS, Bouchon International Fantastic Film Festival from 2015, Best Director, RKSS, Fancine Festival de Cine Fantastico de la Universidad de Malaga from 2015, Best Picture, RKSS, Best Screenplay, RKSS, Fright Fest in 2015, Best Actress, Lawrence Leboeuf, Best Death, RKSS, Punch On, International Fantastic Film Award 2015, Best Director, RKSS, Stigis, Catalonian International Film Festival 2015, Best Music, Jean-Philippe Bernier and Jean-Nicolas Lupe, Official, Fantastique, RKSS, and last, South by Southwest Film Festivals from 2015, Midnighters, RKSS. Boys, let's get physical! Okay, so this week's release is from Epic Pictures, and it runs 93 minutes, and it's from 2015, unrated! And it features an audio DTS master, 5.1 subtitles, English-French, Spanish aspect ratio of a 235 to 1, Blood Wasteland, The Making of Turbo Kid, Festival Q&As, Biff Stitches in Edinburgh, audio commentary with RKSS, Mini Doc from the set, TS for Turbo, the short that this all started from, Gallery, Costume Design Sketches, Stills, Fan Art, and the Rider Booklet, 2K Blu-ray, Region A Locked, and is available online in various places. Boys, what'd you dig up? <laughs> Want me to start? <laughs> okay. So, uh, in an interview with Collider uh, that Brody and I watched with the three co-directors, they described the conception of Turbo Kid Switch uh, from an entry, the short for the ABCs of Death Contest under the name TS for Turbo that is mentioned that is on the physical release. Uh, they stated, Aunt Timpson called us in, uh, wanted to know if we wanted to turn Turbo Kid into a feature. And of course, we said yes. And Fantasia, the festival, uh, had their first year for the co-production market. So we wrote the script in three weeks because of the deadline, submitted it, uh, we got in, and that's how we got our Canadian producer. So when asked to describe the overall feel of the film's aesthetic, co-director Francois Simard said, It's really hard to describe the movie. It's pretty unique. We wanted to play with nostalgia. We were kids that grew up in the 80s, and we wanted to connect with other kids like us that liked the same movies because it's also kind of Mad Max but without cars just with BMX instead and a lower budget. There's gore in it but there's also a very sweet side a heart to the story. So the directors uh, then go on to describe the film's 80s aesthetic a bit more in detail uh, including several video game references apparently stating uh, definitely Mega Man. That was huge. There's an obscure one from Zelda the guy that tends the bar in Turbo Kid his name is Bagu. He's an obscure character in Zelda 2 uh, that lives in the village. There's a ton of it just like that just little winks hidden everywhere if you were a kid in the 80s and you grew up watching cartoons with your sugary cereals and your pajamas and you're playing with he-man it's definitely a movie for you because that was our lives and it was so cool and we wanted to frame that into the world of turbo kit so in an interview with Monroe chambers over at sundance he discusses what drew him into the script he goes on to say it's an interesting genre film it has a lot of blood lots of gore 
lots of action, but that's just on the surface. Underneath, it has a great love story, great plot about friendship, and this coming-of-age story that really drew me to the script. Fantastic! So, Chambers talks about getting into the preparation uh, for the character. He says, I read a lot of comics, and I watched a lot of genre films, but honestly, just trying to find your inner kid, which makes it feel that he's kind of the audience. I want them to feel that you're surrounded by these people and feel what he's feeling uh, because he's awkward. <laughs> Boy, do I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Oh, yeah. When interviewed for South by Southwest, co-director Yuan Carl Wissel described he and his co-director's writing style and procedure and how the group works together creatively. It's, he goes on to say, it's just us hanging out with a beer, watching films and just chatting about stuff. Then suddenly somebody will come up with a cool idea and we'll start jamming on it. Eventually we get to write together and we do, we do write at the same time. We all sit around the table and write live together. I know it's a bit rare. Most people write everybody on their side and then they compare notes, but we write together. So uh, when asked if acquiring Michael Ironside for the role of Zeus in the film was intended to go along with that overall 80s theme that they were trying to go for, the director stated, oh yeah, we were always dreaming to have him. In fact, we wrote the character with him in mind, but we thought that it was impossible. Like it was just, it was a dream. He was unreachable. So yeah, we met him randomly at a cocktail party. Uh, we were at TIFF and he was not supposed to go to that cocktail. He just bumped into one of his friends who said, I'm going to that cocktail party. Do you want to come? And he just pops in. So we had to pitch it to him live right there. And he loved the script. And that's why you wanted to do it. So that's really, really cool. So just to elaborate a little bit more on uh, what Nick had to say there, uh, in an interview at Den of Geek, Michael Ironside talks about liking the script. He goes on to say, I met the directors. They are very funny. I said, all right, let me read the script. That's where we started. So I read the script. I liked it a lot. I get about three or four jobs offered to me a week. Most of them are not very well written, and maybe half of them are not even financed. But if they have my name on it, then maybe they can they can get a foot in the door somewhere and get financed. This one was different. I choose now based on the writing first, then on the personalities of the storytellers, and then whether or not they are flexible enough to take input because that was their first feature film. And I had done about, you know, 240 films, you know. So at the time, look, I'm not bragging, but I like to work. That reminds me of how, um, uh, oh my God, why did, I'm blanking on his name. Picard. Holy shit. Patrick Stewart? <laughs> Patrick Stewart, thank you. Holy hell. <laughs> Boo this that man. Boo. The dumbest moment of my life. <laughs> And Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek. Uh, it reminds me of how he got onto a green room that he got sent the uh, the script mm. and he wasn't even sure about it. And then he en read it and ended up like getting so creeped out. He was turning his perimeter lights on and like closing his windows and shit. And then he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Huh. Go listen to our green room <laughs> nice. episode. Consume. Actually, listen. I <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just listen to our whole fucking show, everyone. Yes. Oh, yeah. There you go. Pluck, pluck, pluck. What were you saying, John? No, I was going to say, I do remember listening to that episode and that made me want to watch the movie. So I have never gotten to it but it sold me on it for sure <laughs> it's i love that movie not that patrick stewart doesn't or anton yelchin because i also well, it's an Howard, okay a24 yeah. film yeah i got tj to watch <laughs> oh, an a24 film he didn't hate really? yeah yeah it's uh jeremy somnier it's the same guy who made uh blue ruin and murder party in fact he considers them to be a trilogy okay good yep. to know so if i like the one then just is that the first one or is that the last um murder the party was the first one that was okay. his like indie movie from 2007 and then uh blue ruin was next which is one of the best revenge movies i've ever seen in my entire life green room was the final one i believe all right good to know thank you bud yep no problem so ironside then goes on to discuss the tongue and cheek references to the characters it says i don't want to give stuff away but we wanted to take a caricature to the edge without going over everyone in the film uh, especially with Monroe Chambers in scenes showing up and throwing a pose, or the Kiwi Aaron Jeffrey playing a cowboy as a salute to John Wayne. All the little things we were doing in that film without going over the edge. Having seen the film, there are a couple of places where I think I could have pulled it back a little, and places where I definitely could have gone farther. But again, we are not dealing with a lot of money or a lot of time. A lot of the situations are just basically walking to a scene, sit down, and start talking, because we didn't have enough money or time to do it 
it, it was more complicated, but I think you'll enjoy the film. Now we have Aaron Jeffries um, talking about his experiences with Turbo Kid over at Screen Talk. Goes on to say, it was one of those odd experiences, you know. It was this little film that we were shooting in Montreal. Three Canadian directors who spoke very little English, but mainly French, who were obsessed with Australian 80s cinema. So they had written this script, which was kind of a mix between Mad Max and BMX Bandits. And then it was a New Zealand slash Canadian co-pro. So I got a role in it that way. And it had a couple of New Zealand producers in it. So we were shooting in this big old factory in Montreal, which was meant to be dry because there's no water. But you, uh, but unusually, with climate change, it was still freezing and snowing. I remember working in this pool and it was a minus 20 degrees day. However, it was one of those beautiful but different experiences as an actor. So uh, we have actress Lawrence LaBeouf talking about working on Turbo Kid with Yell Magazine. Uh, she says, I loved it. It's so different from anything I've ever done. And it was very impressive to see these special effects guys go at it and work their magic. We don't have $200 million to do this movie, so they have to be resourceful in what they use and what they do. It was nice to see them work. Uh, so it's quite surreal to do a movie like this. You know, it's, then suddenly blood is everywhere. It splatters way too much. It's just like, wow. But what was more fantastic about it, I thought, was watching the directors watch it on their screen and just go crazy bananas over it. Like, so excited, they couldn't believe it. Hell yeah! This would be a fun-ass movie to... <laughs> Want to ask me to shoot? Oh yeah! Head oh my god! Me. I I mean, as you guys know, dude, I love making the props and shit, dude. So like, knowing that they did this shit on the budget, it, especially a gnome stick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which okay, so I have to ask, and maybe you guys, maybe was that a nod a little bit to uh, the whole "This is my boomstick" from? Yeah, Army well, we'll talk oh, about man, that later. He, bit, he, was, right? he was an yeah, Kiwi Ash Williams. He was he was there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, keep going. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Kiwi. <laughs> Uh, so my uh, future wife, Miss LeBeouf, describes her style of acting <laughs> and how she tried to portray Apple's character. With um, She goes on to say, I'm not a very big preparation kind of girl. I go a lot with instinct and with stuff that happens in the moment, say when you're in costume and with the decor on set. Uh, with your other partners and all of a sudden this is where you actually live it and a lot of things happen on set. I mean, obviously for this character, she has something special. We'll discover about her and that's why the physical things were kind of important. Figuring out how she was going to move and how she was going to behave and it was important to not go too over the top. It's already over the top, but uh, to go too much, that's like, okay, yeah, no, nah, we're off. Yeah, it was interesting to see her do a role like this. I think the the thing she's most known for in the u.s is a show called transplant it's like a medical it's procedural drama almost like a reverse yeah. bishop where bishop plays cold yeah and controlled she's the opposite i can see that yeah yeah she's over the top and non-stop but it's great it's but that's just like a completely different way to play a robot yeah uh well and that's the thing too with her being specifically a friendship model too i think kind of but we'll yeah. get into that anyway finally we have when asked about what it was like to work with mr iron Ironside LaBeouf states, he's got about 200 movies under his wing. I mean, you can't get more experienced than that. And he kind of, he kind of, I think, took me and Monroe under his wing a little bit. And he was sort of like a mentor a, a little bit. And he was really nice to just, it was nice to have him around. And for the directors too, you know, they love him so much and they got him for their movie and he was great to them. He was very creative as well. Fuck, I love her so much. <laughs> when she says partners in that interview, she's actually playing up like Asia. The mm, name, think of that. I'm just kidding. She's okay. not. She's not banging everyone. <laughs> Your future wife. Sorry, Monroe. <laughs> well, boys, let's talk about it. <laughs> Okay, favorite performance of the film, Brody! Ah, fuck. I mean, fucking hell. This is actually, this was a tough one for me. Um, I mean, you've got Michael Ironside, who is just this very intimidating, very intimidating man to be feared. Um, I mean, Edward, Edwin Wright as the skeleton motherfucker. He was fantastic. Um, look, I'm gonna have to go with Aaron Jeffrey as Frederick. He's just got okay. that no, no fucks given attitude about him. Very Kiwi and Aussie like. Um, he, just he's really quick-witted and he, he can most certainly hold his own when it comes to the punch 
it comes to the battle. Um, you know, when, when I saw him, actually, I immediately thought of him as this cool throwback to the likes of Django. Um, yeah, just just with his attitude and visual, um, yeah, visual fucking what do you want to call it? Appearance, Franco so Nero always, style, the way he carries himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and I, look, I've always been a huge fan of Aaron Jeffries prior to this, so it might sound a little bit biased, but um, you know, it's just great to see him play something different, and especially this character. Um, it looks like he was having fun with it. He, um, I dare say he was having fun with it. Just a little bit something different to what he's done in the past, and it was quite surprising to see how good he actually was, and yeah, how he's able to, you know, um, bring this character to life, and um, yeah, it's fun to watch. What about you, Slick Nick? Well, uh, it was a really tough one, like you said, uh, for me as well, because um, I do kind of so, not to diminish um, Monroe Chambers' performance as the kid, which was good, um, it's just, I've seen a lot of, like, young, awkward guy characters in movies similar to this, and just <laughs> in general, um, so yeah. it's just like, it, it kind of seems a bit standard, it's not bad, it's just that it's it's been done, um, but I liked the sort of over-the-top, but trying not to go too far remain at least somewhat grounded that Ironside and LaBeouf uh, did for their characters. Um, but I think just barely uh, Lawrence LaBeouf's performance as Apple probably won it out for me uh, in the end. I just really liked it. Um, it's kind of hard to think of another character like hers or just like a performance like that that I can think of um, that was as entertaining to watch as that. And it made her an extremely likable character throughout the whole movie all the way like up until the end. Um, and I think it just the inclusion of it made the movie overall more fun to watch. Like this is probably the most fun movie I think that we've watched in my opinion for the show. Um, the others have all been like important had something to say. This one I just I watched I was like man that was just a good time. <laughs> uh, and I think her character had a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah so I think Le, Miss Lawrence LaBeouf uh, for mine. Johnny what uh, what was yours? So like you guys said this is a tough one because you had a lot of good roles and besides Ironside I haven't really seen too many of these other actors well I, I'm sorry I did see uh, Frederick in obviously X-Men um, it's it's <sighs> You're right, though. We've seen how many awkward, like, normal nerdy dude. I mean, I was thinking of Kick-Ass while I was watching this already. You know yeah. what I mean? It was, like, instantaneous. I think I'm just going to have to give it with Ironside, man, because Ironside just always Fair. plays a fan—I mean, a fantastic character nonetheless. But when he gets to play a villain, he is just despicable. And you, honest to God, like, you love him, but you fucking hate him so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like what they did with his character and everything. I liked it the whole end, but just that one spot where he was doing his whole little monologue about people like it was just like oh my god man he is a whole out dick <laughs> and the fact that he you know he's just acting and he makes brings up that kind of like you know emotion i gotta i gotta give it to ironside boss man i don't think it'd be a exploitation film without ironside in it i mean all the best ones have him and he has the cadence and delivery of a true fucking professional and like john said the way he says things is just so cool and just the way his presence on screen is this is it's excellent he he feels scary but you like you're also like he's witty and he's funny but also at the same time he's gross and he's yeah i think having him like this robot at the end and just like shooting lasers and shit just absurd but like awesome dude <laughs> that's what makes uh -huh. this movie stand out uh he's a cool bad guy and he's definitely one of the memorable uh characters for him in, in my mind uh can I say they play that role, that robot shit off pretty well? Cause I, yeah. for some reason, didn't <laughs> see that, but I did have question things of like, how is he able to take that punch when nobody else would have been able to take that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. mm -hmm. so, bravo. I mean, as soon as he got shot with the turbo weapon and he didn't oh, evaporate, yeah. you're like, oh, something's up. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. uh, but I'd have to see like a special nod to, like you guys said, Apple, the girl who plays Apple is just nonstop energy the mm -hmm. entire film. And that has to be exhausting to some level. And like she said, the way she, she like doesn't do any prep. She just kind of goes for it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, it takes a lot of talent, especially for a younger talent as, as her. It's it's interesting to see uh, that type of stuff. And the just I the, would... the interaction uh, between Apple and our Turbo Kid is just really fucking well done. And it kind of 
well, I guess more so the story. And we'll talk about that later. But Nick, you were saying something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, um, because early on into it, whenever she first kind of got introduced, I was more or less a little afraid it was just going to be the like manic pixie dream girl yeah. Zoe Deschanel character archetype. It didn't fall into yeah. any of the trappings of that. And I was really impressed by the end. Huh? Who the fuck is that? Zoe, Zoe Deschanel? Deschanel? Oh, my God. Nah, that hour. Uh, the new girl. It, Right? No. Fuck yeah. That. Yeah. She's, in, she's yeah. a new girl. Yeah. Yeah. Her sister's uh, in Bones. Her sister is Bones. <laughs> Have you seen Your Highness, Brody? No. Damn it. She's okay. There. You <laughs> might recognize her. Just like look her up whenever we're done. You'll recognize her face. I can almost promise you. She looks uh, like Katy Perry. Old Katy Head on Kinda. over to the LCE store to pick up the I Love Zoe Deschanel shirt. Kind of <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd buy one. Why not? <laughs> I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, I did say earlier that our Kiwi kind of is like Ash Williams, especially with the robotic hand at the end. I do love the Django uh, yeah. comparison, though, Brody. That's that's pretty well done. I, I but I would say more Ash because like he tries to do the yes. cool sayings, but he also acknowledges yep. that he's not good at it yet, like Django is. Where Django just yes. says like cool shit, and it's just like yeah, that fucking works. And then this guy's like kind of works, and I'm gonna acknowledge it, but I'm gonna have fun with. It. And I like that type of character because he's just. <laughs> having fun <laughs> I, right? I find it weird that he is the kiwi uh ash but they gave the gnome stick to apple <laughs> <laughs> and not him. Like, and <laughs> I'm not mad at it. It was funny to see her in just immediately go off the moment he was like, all right, so you're going to attack him and him. And then she went, okay, and immediately runs over and just starts the fight. And like, <laughs> Who wants to make that gnome stick now? Because I know I do. Yeah. I mean, all the I mean, costumes <laughs> in this would be awesome to cosplay at some point. They're oh just so fucking God, It'd be fantastic. Uh, in fact, LaBeouf actually, in the interview, I don't know why I didn't include this as a note. She did talk about, uh, she helped with the costuming mm -hmm. for like, Apple and like pretty much every character uh, every actor more or less got to help pick I out do? and flush out their characters and so she was just like I like this color I want this headband I think <laughs> this works better this works better and so she like got to costume herself more or less and I think uh, so did Chambers and Ironside as well. I do love how they just happen to find a helmet that is color matched to her outfit in a dead on a dead body right. uh, it's it's so convenient so imagine the amount of helmets littered out throughout the waist. Well that kind of transitions into our next one which is favorite set yeah, piece right. production yeah. design on this film is on point it's fantastic you would feel exactly where you're supposed to be every time you go i mean they mask it pretty well all the wide shots are cgi but like they didn't have a big budget mm -hmm. so that's the way to do it if you really want to establish setting boys what'd you think well I'll, I, if you guys don't mind first i'm it. not trying to fluff you guys no, no, go ahead. Means, no. but as simple as it is man i have to just give it to the whole quarry setting yes straight up power mm -hmm. rangers fucking just like how can you not dude it's fantastic because you're just hey we're gonna go fucking film over in the store uh, stone quarry and boom now we're in apocalypse also era. if any of it fantastic. does feel like power rangers i believe that the special effects guy actually worked on two seasons of power rangers it felt very power Rangers, Wouldn't doubt dude, it. but like crazy <laughs> obviously like and i'm like yo man if they gave me power rangers like this amount of gore all the time i would be fucking eating that shit well psycho <laughs> oh. i have yet to watch i know i need to watch oh okay that, I'm, I'm so behind, <laughs> I'm behind <laughs> the times i know i gotta get there i think that happens yeah, man, with quarry scenes man it's I, just i feel they're just it, yeah the quarry scene all around especially obviously the the end battle but you know it's just mm -hmm. i don't know man just something about that basic skate still works like fantastic to me yes mm -hmm. nicholas yeah um so i did really kind of like the uh the settlement that they had going on the kid goes to to meet bagu to like turn in uh you know his junk and like the trading and everything i did like how they oh, met uh, uh made that feel reminds me of uh, the force awakens scene whenever she goes to trade in the credits oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> this again i didn't even think about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it reminded me, uh, it almost feels like the set dressing from um, a game that probably nobody played called Rage from like 10 years ago. Oh, yeah! Um, yeah, yeah, it really made me think of that sort of post-apocalypse um uh, Slightly Wait, was Rage, the, Rage was the one that was the crazy new engine, dude, right? Yeah, and it had the, the pig thing, it? right? The pig thing on the cover? All I remember is, like, that shit made a lot of uh, people, like, sick just from motion sickness because the engine was so good. Like, it was so... I what the hell? Think what? So. I think I know what you're talking um, about. 
if I like remember correctly, shit. I don't think that was it. Because I remember the enemies would. Sorry, maybe the enemies would park. Yeah, I, I th- yeah, I think that from happened id a software lot in, in Bethesda. Yeah. Did it have a uh, John Goodman in it? I don't know why. For some reason, I was about to say I was like, I'm pretty sure John Goodman was a voice in it, and he was the only like famous person id managed to to get for it. But like that, just sort of everything is cobbled together with sheet metal, and everything's dirty and dusty and dry. Does it have uh, mutants the, in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you play as someone, you like wake up out of it's, uh, these arcs or yes, whatever. John You're Goodman voices somebody in it. That's what I thought. Yep. Okay. He's like one of the first people you run into. Like, yeah, he's the uh, like tutorial guy who's in your yeah. ear all the time telling you. How to, yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, but yeah, it, it kind of reminds me a, a, a bit of that game more so than some like more colorful stuff like um, uh, Borderlands or something. Or even it reminds me more of that than it does of Mad Max. But it for... does take cues from Mad Max. I think any movie that takes yeah. that uh, was made after that has to. And like I mean, they Rage said, takes it's from Mad, Mad Max, Max with so. BMX bandits. It's yeah. exactly. But um, I really also liked Zeus's pool arena that he had them all fighting yes. in in the swimming pool. Yeah, that that was fun. Um, that I, I don't know. I liked uh, the villain lair uh, in this probably more than I did the hobo with a shotgun one. And I love the hobo say, with the shotgun one. I was going to say, don't you dare say uh, the villain lair from the Korean movie. Oh, old boy. Old boy. That is. Yeah, no. <laughs> that is ultimate uh. lair. <laughs> yeah, no no no, 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 no. He had the he had the your the reel to reel tape decks yes. and stuff. Uh, and the pods on the floor. <laughs> I guess I don't remember the one from God, the I love with that a shotgun, dude. I guess I'm gonna have to rewatch it. It's been a while. There were a, a couple like his kids had like hideouts, and well, then, if you're gonna do uh, comparisons with Hobo with the shotgun, motherfucker, the plague and Skeletron. Oh well, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. It's very also similar. this is the second film that we did. The second exploitation film where a bitch's mm-hmm. head is held on with duct tape. Also with Hobo with a shotgun. Yeah. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. And it's the second film also with Hobo with a shotgun where blood brains. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When um uh Ricky from Trailer Park Boys gets his head torn off and with the uh here's another comparison. News. It's the second film we reviewed on the show where somebody gets killed with a unicorn horn. Yes, it is. <laughs> I was going to ask earlier how uh what Maybe would you Christmas? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how, uh... I would say probably pool arena followed by the uh, the settlement. Brody, what was yours? We've made you wait long enough. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I I chose the whole entire location of uh, the Deadpool itself. Um, I mean, I, I love the fact that they've got that mint there to grind up all the corpses after they all fucking die. Um, just that whole battle Jesus. arena inside the empty pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty cool uh, low budget coliseum. Just. Um, with that industrial atmosphere, aesthetic about it. It's really cool. I, I couldn't help thinking um, when I chose this for this uh, question, um, Argento's Deadpool. I don't know why it just, just sort of come to this me that way. This is still not as yeah, gross. No, far from <laughs> it. Far from it. Um, the parasites in that motherfucker. Uh, Anywho, John, we're uh, referring uh, to the Deadpool and Phenomena. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, th- I, ju- I just think that um, you know that what takes place there and um, during that scene really helps the location I'm stand out. I'm surprised well. nobody mentioned his bunker. Yeah, but it's, I don't feel it's that just we such get a completely it. it's a completely different contrast. to Everything else, everything's a mess. Yeah. Everything's destroyed, and then they're his. His is all clean. Everything's in a certain place, mm. and it's like his civilization amongst all of this uncivilized people. It, it, it's just an interesting setting because it contrasts everything else that we see on screen. It's kind of like and the then, uh, rich people cars from Snowpiercer as opposed to the yes, uh, yes. back. Yeah. So y'all would have loved the camera work to actually explore a little bit more of what we know less about the um, main villain. Yes. I mean, just sort of do a couple mm-hmm. of like panning shots of like things uh-huh. on the wall or something just to establish that character a little bit more. Um, but also, yeah, I mean- uh, to mention, yeah. the mom is actually one of the directors, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, the mother and the father, uh, they're directors. And when Frederick grinds the bald bloke's head um, into the fucking spinning wheel just before he gets his hand cut off, he's the other director too. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Francois is the dad. Anouk is the mom. And Yoan is the uh, guy who gets ground up. The mom's yeah. got moxie, balls, cojones, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Yeah, she does. Yeah, she did. Are we ready to transition, boys? Yes. So. Okay, favorite scene slash shot. I'll start us off. Strike first, strike hard. Show no mercy. <laughs> <laughs> that was so well placed in the film as a good comedy spot. 
It broke up some of the harshness and the fact that it, le- it came up again later and landed itself to a very brutal spot where he cuts the dude's fucking head in half, cuts uh-huh. his throat, and his head goes the whole way back, and then he kicks him in the nuts like he would even feel it. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was great. The contrast. Yes. Fantastic. It's just, yeah, everything with that joke was just, mwah. Um, I think... Nick, I was about to say, I think the uh, this is listed as a comedy. Yeah, uh, I think whenever I went to look it up, Turbo Kid was listed as a as a comedy, comedy action movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, dude, it, it's pretty humorous all the way through. Like, oh, as yeah. dark as dark as it gets, they always sprinkle in some nuggets. That uh, just, like just chocolate Bagu. Bagu getting tortured to death and he looks down and his intestines are attached to the back. He's like, oh, well, that... I love his reasoning. Well, that's not good. We spent all this time setting it up. We're not going to waste it. <laughs> I that feel remind- the same way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, him him looking down and seeing that, he's like, okay, they're at the they're at the graveyard, man. It reminded me of the first Deadpool movie when T.J. Miller's character is getting interrogated. They haven't even touched him yet. And he's just like, I'll tell you whatever you want. I don't I don't do pain. I don't do pain. Just don't touch me. <laughs> I'll tell you where they are. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Brody, what you got, buddy? Yeah. Um, this oh, fuck. All these questions are so hard with this film for me because I just love everything about it. Um feel that. I mean, any fight scene really, uh, because of the over the top and creative violence, I guess. Um, it's really fun to see those uh, directors flex their creative muscles with um, each death scene. And, I mean, fuck. I mean, it's so fucking hard to choose one. And, look, I'll, I'll just say I think any scene with Frederick or Turbo Kid and Apple, just how much I like these characters to interact with each other, fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something about these characters that just have this – sweet persona if you would call it just to surround each other and then yeah in a, and especially in a confronted situation too to see how that all plays out um like the fight scenes that they're they're being placed in it's just a fun way to see them try and get out of it fuck yeah this is i honestly couldn't even pick one for you yeah yeah i had a really tough time picking a favorite scene um in general mostly because yeah like you said i mean there's just a lot of good ones um probably mine would have been one of the uh the fights as well uh probably in the pool probably that one just because it starts off making you laugh and then it goes hard Uh, (laughs) that scene where the flame uh malfunctions reminded me of the masturbating gunman grilling his secretary (laughs) (laughs) yeah was good there's, yeah, there's somebody. I, I do believe I have a favorite shot in particular, though, which would be, um, I, I'm probably going to have to say it would be the kid, uh, holding Apple in front of the bloodstained umbrella sitting behind them. Like, I would have that as my desktop wallpaper. Like, I just saw that part and I went, well, I have my favorite shot. Like, in, as I was watching that, I was like, okay. Cool that's shots. A the trippy, nice uh, shot. dinosaur graveyard sequence. That was shot well. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was fantastic. Yeah. That was a good one too the robot graveyard i did like uh i really like how they made that look as good as it did for just having to rely on cgi because of the budget as well Mm -hmm. because they had to do that for like making all the water and stuff green and everything because i think they originally when they were doing the outside shots what i read was that it was supposed to be dry but when they had shot it at certain points there was either snow melt or it rained or something like Mm -hmm. that so they were like we just have to we just have to correct the colors and make it look undrinkable otherwise which it's like oh brother where art thou it's supposed to be dry and dusty but they shot it in Mississippi in the middle of summer and it's bright green so they had to correct it in post (laughs) (laughs) so uh, but yeah yeah uh, I I couldn't name a favorite scene in total but that was my favorite shot was the blood-stained umbrella with the kid holding apple as she died I will say for favorite scene is still like I mentioned it before it's Ironside's uh, monologue Mm -hmm. about how much water is in humans I don't know what it is man like dude I love fight scenes don't get me wrong all day long it's like that's the popcorn part of it yeah Mm -hmm. man when you get into your villain like just straight up like how evil your fucking guy really is his monologues unbeaten oh they're fantastic and so that i gotta give that for a favorite scene shot wise oh man i might have to say when they're it's similar it's so it's the umbrella scene but right before that when it's Mm. raining blood while they're under the umbrella yeah that's cool shit (laughs) yeah that is it was very like that was a very just it was uh i felt happy i laughed (laughs) <laughs> and it was kind of one of those ah 
<laughs> right. It was, it was a little bit of everything. So it was kind of like, that was great. It's so and funny to be like, oh, that's cute. And it's raining blood. <laughs> no, I know. It's just, it's great. I love the juxtaposition of it. So right. the next question is probably going to be the hardest of them all. And that is favorite effect mm. and death. This film is filled to the brim with all sorts of creative and elaborate <sighs> kills and deaths. I did so love many. the bike with the intestines. And was anyone else yeah. interested to see if it was uh, looped back over itself? Yes. Yeah. I think it yeah. started to, didn't it? It did. I'm so happy it stayed yeah, there, say too. It looked like it, yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I don't know. Like, it's mm. just so hard because there's so much. Like, there's the uh, arm wrestling with the fiery blenders. There's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's straight fucked right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mine was probably a toss-up between... The one dude getting his head cut in half to where the top goes boop it and flips around and does a 180 and lands backwards. Well, death, uh, the dad, he gets fucking partially drowned, then cut up with, with a saw. Yeah, he gets like trisected. Like he gets like, <laughs> cut into like three pieces. Uh, but gotta hand it to the, the dude, the one guy getting cut in half and his upper and lower half land on the heads <laughs> of the two other guys and they're running around with the halves of them and they can't so see. <laughs> it got to where it was just one guy with four bodies, right? I think uh, that's what th- I counted. Three bodies and a pair of legs on top. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. It was. <laughs> So it was a pair of Man. legs, three torsos, and then a pair of legs on top. <laughs> that me. I think That's... I'm going to have to give that to favorite effect. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's so over the top. Yes. It's, just, it's, it's delicious. Uh, Brody, what you got, buddy? I actually went with uh, Frederick when he uh, – Rips that guy's jaws. Uh, rips the guy's <laughs> oh, jaws. yeah. And he it into his eye socket. <laughs> First time I saw that, I was like screaming at the TV, just fuck <laughs> yes. That is so fucking metal. Yeah. Um, I like so how he badass. calls him over too, to like, hey, look at this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, kid, check this out. <laughs> rips just, the dude's jaws off. Just how uh, cool as cat shit he really is with the cigar and his mouth yep. showing no emotion. That was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, but I look. I I've got a couple of honourable mentions um, for favourite of deck because I piss myself laughing when old mate in the pool runs, trips over onto his blade and sticks it into his own fucking eye. Yeah, that's pretty good. You see the, yeah, it was pretty. Oh fuck, I was laughing at that. Um, and just to see Ironside laugh at that, that was the icing on the cake. But an honourable mention to uh, Turbo Kid slicing the villain's head with the machete and the head keeps spinning in the pool. Yeah. I thought that was very – Oh, funny. that was what I was thinking of. Not the uh, head spins and stops. It was the yeah, – it spins like a top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I counted there was like literally nearly uh, – 30 plus deaths in this so it was really hard to choose for this one i do like the one where he blasts the dude's legs and his only his top heart goes flying off the bike because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's like oh, moving yeah. and he has momentum but he shoots the bottom part and his fucking top half goes boom, right out of frame it's it's pretty good <laughs> uh it was a good introduction to where we were gonna get with the gore whenever the guy who kidnapped apple the first time that had the big samurai hat came at him <laughs> yeah. and i was like oh it's the first big fight of the movie and he vaporizes him <laughs> <laughs> just immediately i was like oh that's that's funny <laughs> which fantastic shout out to uh big trouble in little china at least yeah that's how i think that yeah i mean mm-hmm. I no that's that. the guy from mortal kombat what are you talking about yeah that's right. what i was thinking <laughs> Raiden? No, Raiden came from he yeah. first yeah <laughs> Are we ready uh, to uh, talk about the story, boys? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So this story is very well done, and it's emotional as fuck. Brings a little tear to your eye at the end. The friendship and the relationship between Apple and Turbo Kid that we mentioned earlier is just so well done. And the way that they tell this story, and the way that it goes back and forth, back and forth, tense moment, comedy bit, tense moment, comedy bit, just works so fucking well. Anybody want to uh, elaborate? Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I definitely agree Um. with like the heart kind of um aspect to it that the uh, actors were talking about as well and in, in the interview bits that we found that they were like there's heart to the movie as well mm-hmm. it's not just non-stop action for the sake of non-stop action i mean it somewhat is but there's purpose uh behind all of it yes um i do like movies that don't dump a ton of exposition onto you like we get here's what the world is this is an alternate 1997 no we will not tell you what caused the apocalypse so much like we'll hint at it there's there's no water left and there are robots 
I thought it was just acid rain. I thought that's what it said in the beginning. Well, no, you said like there's acid rain that goes over everything. Uh, oh, see, which... I took it. I totally took that as it was literally acid rain was the cause because in the 90s, there oh. was the huge acid rain scare. All the oh, and shit like it may have had something to do with that, which is like why they mentioned it or chose it. If I remember correctly, they chose the acid rain angle uh, as a part of what I mentioned earlier with they had to, in post-production, change all the water on the ground to be green so that it would be undrinkable and make sense in the context of it. So at the beginning, they put in the acid rain falls over the land and everything so that they could help explain that in the world. It makes it work, right? Oh, yeah, no, seriously. That's actually my punk band, Acid Rain. Acid Rain. That's a good punk band name. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like it just, it does not have to over explain itself. It goes, here is the world. This is the characters that live in it. They are all believable in the way that they live in it and how they interact with each other. Um, and while Zeus is an over the top, almost archetypal character villain, when you come to discover that he is, you know, one of the robots and everything, it all makes sense. He's not simply an evil guy being evil for the sake of evil. He doesn't need any of this water or anything. He just hates humans because he is one of the robots and he wants to control what's left of the people scattered around and it all works our main characters have clear focus and purpose to all of their actions nothing that they do is out of character the whole thing flowed extremely well and at the end it was just a really fun movie to watch you could watch this and not care about the story and still enjoy it and if you absolutely need a story you will still enjoy it and that's I loved it for that um, but yeah uh, Brody yeah um, to, uh, well I mean what more can I say than you guys have already said I mean I really enjoy the film, especially for the nostalgia um, factor mm-hmm. of the whole premise. Um, like Mr. Jeffrey said earlier, it's that cool um, take on a Mad Max inspired uh, and BMX Bandits type of film. Um, it's the characters that it's actually what really drives it home for me. Um, you know me, my character development. I love it. What they're able to achieve with these characters and breaking down, uh, especially with the romance surrounded by that um, dystopian atmosphere you know and and like in saying that the story itself is yeah just structured very basic throughout the three acts of the film but it's just this cool love letter um to to the 80s and 90s obviously uh just our childhood with the genre films that we grew up with i guess and um it's just the feel-good film that works extremely well for the genre um yeah what these directors were able to achieve um with a budget exactly uh with a sorry small budget like this it's it's quite um, amazing to see unfold. I really love the story. I think it's great. Um, I only just want a sequel now. So there's one in the works. Yep. Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh shit. We we should be getting a sequel, and I cannot wait. Actually, didn't they? Um, they're in talks of releasing a video game as well. That would be fantastic. A turbo uh, little hint: game. One of our films for later in the season is a spinoff of this film. So, okay, video game wise, would you set it up like Mega Man? Because I would. It is a BMX-powered pixel art Metroidvania gore fest based on the film of the same name. The release date is to be determined, but I'm looking at the thing on Steam. What's it coming out? Oh, it's on Steam. Fuck it. Yeah. To be determined. It's TBD for the release date, but yeah, it's a uh, pixel art platformer. So yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Thank you guys for letting me know about that. Cause that is awesome. Yeah, I'll probably be checking that out too. Whenever comes up. John, thoughts on story? I mean, you guys honestly hit all the points. The story is great. It has everything. It's got amazing fight scenes. It's got great characters. And, you know, nobody's flat. It, even though it's the budget's small, it it's such like a big package just all shoved into what it can be. The fact that you have Ironside, who's just top notch. I love his whole like he's a robot. And he's shooting fucking giga beams at the end and shit. Dude, like we're going <laughs> full out fucking bananas. It doesn't matter. It, as over the top as this movie gets, it just almost works so much. It works well with it. It works that much better with it. You, like you guys said, man, they found the appro- appropriate flow of funny, serious, and like, you know, just somewhere sometimes in between, especially when it, it comes into uh, the interactions between him and Apple. Obviously, it definitely like brings you down and it, humanizes it more and you're like oh man this you know this dude's button on his you get his flashbacks and shit it's but then it just goes back to the over the top gore and it's just like it's amazing how it can bring you in and out <laughs> like within it seconds too there could be a fight scene and i can't remember exactly if it was in the pool one or it was towards the end one but there was one moment where you were just like oh damn and you were just like oh shit and then it was like it was ridiculous i think it was when uh, i think the uh the tower body tower started mm-hmm. piling up yeah <laughs> So all in all, man, this movie is, yeah, 
I loved the story. I loved everything about it. I loved the video game asked about it. I loved the 80s, 90s blend. I felt truly at home in there. So I and not the fact that I just found out we got a sequel that I am overly ecstatic about. So we should. I looked at it. I saw the last article I was able to find was from February of 2020 that said the Turbo Kids sequel should still be in the works. So maybe there's some question to it, unfortunately. But I think the directors, whenever we were looking at the research and everything, seemed uh, still hopeful and determined to do it. And now that they have another movie under their belt, it might be a bit easier too. Hey, man, maybe you're uh, maybe the LCE boys will be able to help that push. So, impact and takeaways, boys. This film, especially for 2015, it it came around a time where indie films really started to show their worth and kind of their there'd be a resurgence to show like, hey, we can make quality films with not a bigger budget, and this is how good it can be. This is a prime example of that, especially for the time period it was made. I love to see that Canucksploitation's making a comeback and a strong one at that. They definitely have their own sort of flavor where we get this mix of comedy and a real sense of danger in this film. And I think it's also similar to the films like Hobo with a Shotgun or Come to Daddy, where, you know, like I said, the mix of comedy and a serious sense of danger. It's it's cool. And I want to see more stuff like this get made, more stuff like this come out. It's it's awesome. I want to see a sequel. I want to see more stuff like this. I want to see more from RKSS. I love Summer of 84. I love this film. Not much more I can say. Brody? Fuck, man. You hit the nail on the head there. Um, I, I have nothing but respect and a lot of time for these directors to what they're able to achieve. Um, yeah, I really love the direction that the directors were able to take this film in. Uh, that nostalgic throwback, like I said before, to the night. Uh, and that it, that in itself is something a little bit different because we're always talking about the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's called the same bring it to the 90s um, that we grew up in. So, um, you know, it was really cool to see it land in that time period. Like you, I want a fucking sequel. Bad, pronto, ASAP. And uh, like I just mentioned, the prequel to this film is great. If you want more of this, go suss that out. But yeah, I love, um, you know, me and my synth wave. That was another yeah. thing that I I really enjoyed about this was that they were able to bring that yeah new retro wave yeah synth wave music to this so beat me to um, it i was 100 percent going to bring up how good the soundtrack to this movie was yeah it's it it, that's probably the biggest thing that i should have mentioned earlier yeah it's so the soundtrack is fantastic really good it's um i went to a synth synth wave concert not too long ago actually yeah you motherfucker and uh i was at work getting nothing but snapchats so just to rub salt in the fucking wounds here's me taking a 10 minute break to watch tj bowser's uh snapchat story (laughs) but um yeah i mean what more can i say about this film that i haven't already said fucking a fantastic film nonetheless watch it what about you yes Mm -hmm. what about you slick me well uh you guys about covered most things um, with these more recent ones, uh, it is a little bit harder to note impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that this has had an impact on the indie um, scene in the seven years or so now that it's it's been out. Um, there just might be some things we maybe haven't noticed yet or that we'll notice more as time goes on and we start covering more movies like the others. I would love to see the sequel to this or more spinoffs or just anything more. Turbo Kid comic, even anything like that would be great to see. Um, Turbo Rider. Yeah, Turbo Rider. That's what the comic series is, isn't it? That he reads? Yes. I want to see a real yes. Turbo Rider comic. Yeah. Because so technically- the Turbo Riders were the military, right? That's, that's how I took it. And I think the comic I think book, so, yeah. So I took it as like yeah. the comic books were made as propaganda to get people involved. Probably. I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's how I yeah. think it is. I wouldn't doubt that at all. But yeah, and I'd love to see like stuff like that um, as well. And I mean, yeah, specifically that, that soundtrack was so good. Uh, it just perfectly encapsulated the feel of it and everything. Uh, the idea to use Thunder in Your Heart as the opening when it's from the movie Rad. Like it, it just, it perfectly establishes it um maybe a future episode i can do random i mean i'm down to watch a sports movie uh <laughs> um but yeah I, I mean like brody said what else can i say that hasn't been said for this um it's more recent enough i think that the impact will have to be seen a little bit more as time goes on True. um but just taking away from it it's amazing to see little tiny stories like this that are originally meant to be something small um like this and like how hobo with a shotgun was literally just 
just, well, what if we made a movie about a hobo and he's got a shotgun? And it ended up being one of my favorite indie movies, like period. And this was meant to just be a couple minute long short for ABCs of Death. And while it didn't even make it into the ABCs of Death, the producer went, let's make that into a full movie. I'd like to see that. And I would like to see more of that happen where you just take a core concept for a film and turn it into a feature and make it the best that you possibly can. And I would love to see more of that in the future as well. But uh, yeah, Johnny. Well, um, I guess question for you guys. And if you, I don't know if you've seen it, but did this help maybe impact with the movies? Uh, I remember there was a short called Kung Fury. I don't know if it came out before or after this. I don't know if it was actually, but it, it kind of felt almost in the same vein where it was just. If you uh, watch the film Commando 80s. Ninja, it actually okay. has a very similar feel to that as well. Even more so. All right. Okay. That just reminds me. Sorry, Johnny. That just reminds no. me of oh, um, Mr. David Hasselhoff's yes. song. What the truth is <laughs> How could you not? I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Kung Fury came out the same year, looks like 2015 oh. as well. Yeah. All right. So maybe not necessarily impact, but yeah, it did, I, I want more films like this to come out. Obviously, yes, we already said sequel mm. for sure. But I mean, I loved Hobo with a Shotgun as well. I, I remember yes. seeing that. I think when that came out, 2011? 2012. Oh, 20, okay. Yeah. So, and I just, I mean, come on, man. The fact that she's got a lawnmower fucking arm shield is just fantastic and listen i loved it so much i literally wore that as a costume that year and then oh, they, yeah and the wife oh. went the wife went as the uh girl and we made her the little like arm prop and everything yep. too it was fucking dope yeah give me more uh what do you call it uh can exploitation can exploitation thank you yes give me more of it uh I, this shit is just it's a it's grindhouse but it's grindhouse to a different vibe yes i would almost say just because it has all the tense the, and gore of grindhouse but it's got the comedy yes and so yeah. and and i feel like a lot of the times you need it yeah you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> sometimes mm-hmm. it could just be too much and you're just like whoo i need a break for a second man this is just this is soupy at this point <laughs> right <laughs> but I, this movie does that uh fantastically so like i just said man i just want more <laughs> mm-hmm. i'm definitely gonna be fucking rewatching this one so moral of the story it leaves us hungry and begging for more so rkss gimme gimme boys let's rate this motherfucker so this week's rating is comic love and dystopian children with a turbocharged weapon out of five john you are our guest start us off big johnny d yo this is a for me man this is a four and a half all the way okay yeah i i fucking loved it and i know when you get like boss man reached out he had a whole list this was one of the top ones and i instantaneously like yo if nobody's got turbo kid (laughs) and it's always looked amazing and i am so happy i got to enjoy it uh yeah man this shit is just this is my perfect wheelhouse man like this is my you could throw something like this on and you will instantaneously get me glued to the couch for the next hour and a half yeah yeah yeah. uh brody well once again john thank you for coming on uh one of my favorite movies to talk about it um and i will also have to fucking agree with you there mate you took the words right out of my mouth a 4.5 for me Well, now I feel I went too low because I was going to give it a 4.3. <laughs> no, man, you got to do you. But <laughs> this, okay, so to be fair, and maybe I'm just vibing off Brody a little bit, but mm. a lot of these kills in this, dude, were very fucking Mortal Kombat fatality. Man. I mean, come on. You're ripping yeah. the motherfucker's jaw off and shoving it back into yeah. his face. I'm pretty sure that might be even Jax's fatality. John? In the fucking games if I go back. Watch Psycho Gorman. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will give it a 4 out of 5 and that is an LCE score of 4.3 out of 5 comic love and dystopian Ish. children with a turbocharged what? weapon yeah see Nick you called it right there I, I got it man <laughs> <laughs> fucking nailed it bro so little preview for next episode we will be doing 2006's the Foot Fist Way from director Jody Hill. That is Danny McBride's star-making film. I can't wait to talk about it. It's oh going to be a fucking God, doozy. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, w- I was blanking on the name, but as soon as you said McBride, it just all came John, if you want to send in an audio clip talking about the film, you're more than welcome. Dude, I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> just to rewatch that movie. That was fantastic. 
Fucking oh, A. Well, shit. yeah, like the boys said, John, thank you for joining us on this episode, this season five premiere. I can't believe we're already five seasons deep into the show, but man, thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. I've, I mean, I always enjoy listening, so it's fun to finally be on, dude, and uh, especially watch a movie A I've never seen, and B I was hoping I was going to love and did love. So all in all, man, thank oh, you yeah. guys for the entire experience, dude. It's been a blast. Thanks for coming on. Great to have you. Well, thank you for joining us on another episode of your favorite podcast, Lights Camera Exploitation. This is the pod boss, TJ Bowser. Sign it off. This is your doppelganger, Kanga Banger, all the way from down under signing out. And I'll catch all your motherfuckers next week. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Goremore, Mr. Johnny D. Yeah, buddy. And Slick Nick signing out. Hope to see you all the rest of the season and i hope you all enjoy listening to it as much as we're going to enjoy making it and this is your fluff master supreme big johnny d saying thank you guys once again for having me on catch me on Gormore as well as brody uh but stay tuned for more awesome episodes from these boys coming out on season five get turbo kid to made <laughs> with this episode well holy shit commando ninjas in the same universe where would okay Ooh. oh that's the spinoff yeah okay where would you want to see this go as a sequel
That is an interesting question. Um, I did like that it kind of left off with the kid and uh, Frederick seemingly teaming up to head out into the rest of the wasteland together. Yeah, the continuing adventures of Turbo Kid and Frederick. That'd be interesting. Or maybe yeah. even see Apple return some way, seeing that we saw that little glimmer at the end. But maybe just leave Apple the way it is and leave that story for like the first film and just kind of tell more of the stories with uh, him. Maybe have him find a dog. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think it would... Uh, Mad Max. It might take... <laughs> some of the weight away if she was just brought back like i don't know some of the meaningfulness in her death at the end of the movie i think might get a little diminished if they just well if she rocks up like obi-wan is what i'm saying like she's used like obi-wan where she's like the voice of reason because uh, like she's like she said i'm like always watching you and like at the end we see right. like, a little flash in the sky and we get a little yeah uh oh yeah okay well yeah yeah okay i can still see that working i don't know this film Fun has fact. some mysticism to it so if if you want a little bit more apple for your day head over to lamatos the band uh who composed this film and use their song as a recurring th- uh theme throughout the f- film uh the directors actually film that music video that stars apple as and it's ah. a prequel to turbo kid oh nice it's really cool 